If you want the thing you love, you did it! Congratulations! World's best cup of coffee. Great job, everybody. High degree of difficulty. one was hard. How many would pick a Christmas story on that one, just out of curiosity? Would you raise your hand up and have your plane at home, blaze your hand up? How many would take Christmas vacation? Wow, you guys are sinners to the core of your being. I tell you what, right there, I would take a Christmas story. Well, that's a classic right there. Well, I'm so glad that you're with us today. Thanks for coming out. And uh, thanks to everyone who's at home watching us on TV and on the stream as well. We're glad that you're a part of our church. As our church is scattered throughout, let's be a light for Jesus Christ, no matter where we are or what we do. But we're thankful for you. We're in the middle of a series called Would You Rather? And I know you love playing this game. So if you're at home, play along with with us. And if you're here in the room, make sure you raise your hand up, play along with the pastor. It's a lonely thing when no one raises their hand, okay? So I'm going to give you a couple of questions. We're going to just pick between two different things. You kind of think it through, and then you'll give me your answer. Here's the first one. Would you rather be the funniest person in the room or be the smartest, most intelligent person in the room. If you're watching on social media, you can hit a one or a two in the comment section. I give you guys a little bit more time to think about would you rather be the funniest person in the room or the most intelligent? Let's see. How many would rather be the funniest person in the room? All right, let me see. Okay, these are the people you want to invite to your small group because they're an absolute blast, all right? How many want to be the most intelligent person? Do not invite them because they'll tell you everything you're doing wrong in your small group, okay? They kind of nitpick everything. It's hilarious. A lot of you want to be the most intelligent. All right, let's go to the next one. Would you rather have no one show up at your wedding or no one show up at your funeral? Hmm, that's a tough one right there. Which would you rather? I asked my daughters this, and they said they want everyone to show up at their wedding. And I said, why? They said, because of all the gifts that they would get, right? You don't get any gifts for your funeral. You just get potato salad afterwards. That's all you get. So how many would say you want a whole bunch of people to show up to your wedding? Let me see. The wedding, a whole bunch of people. You'd rather have that than the funeral? How many would rather have the funeral? A whole bunch of people. Really? That's interesting. I think I would rather have no one show up to my daughter's weddings because each person that shows up costs me money. So I was... Thinking that one through as well. Let me, let me give you a third one here. Would you rather save the life of a star... Oh, you're kidding me right here. Would you rather save the life of an Af- a starving African child or have an actual lightsaber? <laughs> now, this one seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it? And yet, there is this cult out there called Star Wars. And some of you right now are like, I don't know. That's really tough because... 
Is it an actual real deal lightsaber, Todd? And some of you are thinking you'd like to have the real deal lightsaber and then you could use it to save the starving African child, right? I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand on that particular one. I can't even believe we put that up there. Let me give you one more. Would you rather be a promise keeper or a promise breaker? How many want to be a promise keeper? How many want to be a person of no integrity whatsoever? Let's see. Yeah, there are no, no takers on that one. This is interesting to me because everybody would say that they want to be a promise keeper. And yet every one of us, if we're truthful, have broken a promise or two along the way. And we've justified it, haven't we? We said, well, I didn't really mean it. <laughs> I was just kidding around. You didn't take me seriously. Now, did you? No, 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 no. We want to be a promise keeper, but we end up many times being a promise breaker. And why is that? Well, we found this out during this series, is that left with a choice between a harder choice and an easier choice, many times we'll take the easier path. And let's face the facts. It's easier to break a promise many times than it is to keep a promise, especially when the promise is extremely hard. And yet here's the deal. All of us know the kind of people that we want to be. We know the narrow road that Jesus has called us to, to that harder path that he wants us to walk. We know if we walk that path that we'll end up being the person that he created us to be, and yet we keep taking the easier path. So one of the things that we're going to talk about today is how do we take the right path? How do we become a promise keeper and not be a promise breaker? How do we consistently take that difficult, hard path? And you ready for the answer to that question? You do it one day at a time. You do it one decision at a time. You do it one moment at a time. There was a guy named Pablo Casas. I'm not sure I'm saying his name correctly, but he's considered to be one of the greatest cellist players to ever exist. Guy was phenomenal. At age 22, he was playing for Queen Victoria. At the age of 66, he was playing for President Kennedy. He lived to be 96 years old. And just days before he passed away, he was still practicing his cello three hours a day. Someone asked him the question at the age of 96, why do you keep practicing your cello for three hours a day? He said, I think I'm seeing some improvement. He made a choice. Every single day to show up. Every single day to put in the hard work. He made one choice after another choice after another choice. And his choices led him to a destination. We are the summation of our choices. How do we get to be the person that we want to be? It's one difficult choice at a time. It's one moment at a time. How does a person lose weight? Well, if you try to think about it 90 days out and everything you got to do for those 90 days, you're not going to lose any weight. But if you'll just focus on the next meal, if you just say, I'm going to be healthy in this next meal, and then after that meal is over, I'm just going to be healthy with my snack. And then when that snack's over, I'm just going to be healthy with my dinner. You know, It's one workout at a time. It's one meal at a time. How do, how do you get, get out of debt? It's one payment at a time. If you look at the totality of it, you're just going to be overwhelmed by it. You're going to give up before you even try. But if you'll just say, I'm going to hit this one payment. I'm going to do this one thing on this one day. I'm going to get this one thing done. How does a person get a college diploma? It's one class at a time. It's one test at a time. It's one assignment at a time. How do you have a great marriage? It's one kind word at a time. After another kind word, after another kind word, after another kind word. How does a person develop to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? 
It's stealing away one moment after another after another to get along with God, to seek His face through prayer and through the Bible, and allow the Holy Spirit to do whatever it wants to do, surrendering your will to His will. Oh God, not my will be done, but your will be done. One day at a time, one moment at a time, and you'll end up to the destination that you really want to get to. That's how you pull this off. So today we're talking about how to be a promise keeper rather than a promise breaker. Now, everybody raised their hand. We all said that we want to be a promise keeper. And why is that? It's because we love faithfulness. I mean, we applaud faithfulness. Whenever you're in a situation and someone says, listen, if anybody's been married over 50 years, I want you to stand up. And what happens in the rest of the room when those, that elderly couple stands up? Everybody has thunderous applause for them. And why? Because we know how hard that was and how difficult that must have been and all the life that they've shared with each other and they've been faithful for those 50 years. We, we applaud the single mom who's working two jobs to provide for her kids. We applaud the mom. We applaud the dad who day after day keeps showing up to their job doing their very best work. We applaud the person who says, look me in the eye. I mean what I'm saying to you, and I will come through. And then when they come through, the value of that person just goes sky high, doesn't it? We love faithfulness. We can't stand unfaithfulness. We don't like it when someone looks us in the eye and says one thing and does another. We don't like it when someone says, you know what, I'll be there for you, and then they're the first one to take off when the going gets tough. We admire faithfulness. We want to be faithful people. I've got great news for you today. Our God is faithful. And the reason you want to be faithful is because he's been so stinking faithful to the likes of you and to me. You know, we're reminded every single day of the faithfulness of God. You know that, right? When you see a rainbow in the sky, it's a reminder of the promise of God, isn't it? That he would not destroy the world by means of a flood ever again. Every time you open up the Bible, it's a reminder of the faithfulness of God. What did Jesus say? He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. There has been no book that has been burned and banned as much as the Bible. I mean, kings and queens and monarchs and tyrants, they've done everything in their power and in their authority to try to squelch the word of God, to try to eliminate the word of God, and it just keeps going stronger today than it ever has been before. You just can't stop the word of God, and why is it? Why can't you stop the word of God? Why is it that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not pass away? Because that Bible you have in your hands is the word of God. And God will protect his word. God will restore his word. His word will endure. His word is eternal. Every time you open the Bible, it's a reminder of the faithfulness of God. Every time you take the Lord's Supper, it's a reminder of the faithfulness of God. When we take the bread and the juice, it's a reminder that Jesus promised that he would come and that he would die and that he would rise again. And boy, he did die, didn't he? beaten so badly he was beyond recognition. And we open up that little wafer and it reminds us of the body that was broken for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And then we open up the juice, it reminds us of the blood that was poured out for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins. That's the faithfulness of God. Every time you see a baptism, and we're baptizing a whole bunch of people this weekend, it's very exciting. 
every time you see a baptism, it's a reminder of the faithfulness of God. When the person goes under the water, they're dying to their old way of life symbolically, and they come up out of the water, it's their brand new life with Jesus. But there's another symbolic act in baptism. When you go under the water, you can't breathe for a second. Symbolically, it's, it's Jesus' death, his burial. And when you come out of that water, it represents Jesus' resurrection. And Jesus said that he would come. He said that he would die. He said that he would rise again three days later. It's a reminder of the faithfulness of God. My goodness, when you read the scriptures... You get one reminder after another about the promises of God and how God is always a promise keeper. God never breaks his promises. God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. God says that nothing can separate you from the love of God, that he can work all things together for good for those who love him. Friends, when you're on your deathbed, when you're on the brink of death, remember John chapter 14, verse 2, Jesus speaking, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. That's the faithfulness of God. When you breathe your last breath on this earth, you'll breathe your very first breath in heaven. Why? Because God promises you will. He will come and he will take you to be with him. He is preparing a place for you right now. He promises that he will return and he will bring you home to be with him. That's the faithfulness of God. I love Bob Russell's definition of faithfulness. Write this down. Faithfulness is love hanging on. That's good, isn't it? Faithfulness is love hanging on. And doesn't God show that to us over and over and over again? In spite of our inconsistencies, in spite of our hypocrisy, in spite of all the times we thumbed our nose at him and gone our own direction, his love has held on to us. Nothing can separate us from his love. Well, we all want to be a promise keeper. We've all broken our promises. How do we do better in this area of our life? Because deep down inside, this is the road that we want to take. We want to be a faithful person. We don't want to be an unfaithful person. We want to be the kind of person people rely on. We don't want to be the kind of people who think we're a joke. So how do we do it? Write this down if you're taking notes. Number one is this. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Say what you mean and mean what you say. If you and I are going to be faithful, when you utter a vow, when you make a promise, you need to do everything in your power to be a person of your word and follow through in what you said that you would do. There was a preacher, and it was the day after Christmas, and he was checking on the church, and they had a large nativity up on their stage, and he was looking at the nativity, kind of thinking about the, what had taken place and what, this, what Christmas is all about. And he noticed that baby Jesus was missing from the manger. We thought, that's awful strange. That's awful weird. Well, maybe somebody picked up baby Jesus and set him someplace in the auditorium. So he began to walk row by row by row, looking in each seat, looking for the baby Jesus. Couldn't find the baby Jesus anywhere. He went outside. He began walking up and down the hallway, looking for the baby Jesus. Couldn't find the baby Jesus anywhere. So he glanced outside, and he saw a little boy pulling a radio flyer wagon. And it appeared that he had something in the back of that wagon. So he thought, I'll go investigate that. So he went outside and, and he, he flagged the little boy down. The little boy came over his radio flyer wagon. The preacher said, that's a really nice radio flyer wagon you got there. He said, I got it for Christmas. It's brand new. He said, what are you, what are you, what are you toting around in the back of your wagon? He said, the baby Jesus. He said, you got the baby Jesus. You're taking baby Jesus in your wagon. He said, yeah. 
He said, where did you get the baby Jesus? He said, I got him in church. And you just thought you would just take baby Jesus and you would put him in your wagon and take off with baby Jesus. Why in the world would you take baby Jesus and put him in your wagon? He said, well, a couple days before Christmas, I prayed to the baby Jesus that he would bring me a little radio flyer wagon. And I promised him if he did, I'd give him a ride. (laughs) At least he kept his word, didn't he? I'm going to read for you one of the most powerful passages of Scripture about making a vow and keeping a vow, making a promise and keeping a promise. It's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Listen to these words. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God's in heaven and you're on the earth. So let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. He says don't be quick with your mouth. Don't don't make a quick promise to somebody. Don't make a quick promise to your wife, to your kids, to your uh, co-workers, to your employees. Don't make a quick promise to God and and then not come through with what you say you're going to do. Now, here's what's interesting. This is true of me, and maybe it's true of you. You get yourself in a predicament when you know you got to make a vow, you got to make a promise because something has to change because you find yourself in hot water, right? And so you got to say, well, this is going to be different from this point forward. I'm going to change. It's going to be different. I'm I'm not going to be the same person I once was. And you make a vow. And you make a promise. But you didn't do it because you really wanted to. You were just trying to get out of this one moment in time. You were trying to appease whoever it was that you were trying to appease. And when they said, all right, great. If you're going to work harder on it, that sounds good to us. Case closed. And then you had no intention of following through on that vow. You would be better off not to make the vow at all. Because here's what happens when you make a vow to someone. When you look at somebody and say, it's going to be different from this point forward. It's going to change. That person believes you. And they're trusting in what you say, that you're actually going to come through. And then you don't. How how do you tear apart a relationship? Well, you build one up one kind word at a time. How do you you tear one down one lie at a time? How many times you looked at somebody you love, somebody that you care about, and say, this is it, this is the end of this. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going this direction anymore. I'm telling you, from this day forward, I'm a changed person. And they're excited, and they want to help you, and you last for about three days, and then you go right on back to the thing. You would have been better off not to have said that at all. Because here's the deal. When you do that over and over and over and over and over again, you know what's going to happen to those relationships, that relationship with your kids, that relationship with your wife, that relationship with anybody? It's going to just be destroyed. The foundation of every great relationship is based on trust. And when you can't trust somebody, when you can't trust the words that are coming out of their mouth, that relationship is over at that point in time. Now, this passage of Scripture says you need to be careful what you say to God. So let's ask ourselves this little quick little question. How many promises he made to God and didn't fulfill? You got yourself in a tough spot, didn't you? So you began to make a bargain with God. You said, God, if you get me out of this spot, I'll do this for you, or I'll do that for you. Or one day you're sitting here, or maybe you're at home watching me, and you say, you know what, I need to do this, or I need to do this. This has to change. 
and you promise God. You say, God, would you please help me? I promise you, God, from this day forward, it will not be the same. Did you keep your word? Did you keep your vow? Because some of you said you're going to get baptized, and you still haven't gotten baptized. And some of you made a vow to, to get in a small group, and you still haven't gotten in a small group. Some of you made a vow, you said, you know what, I'm going to talk to somebody about what it is to have a relationship to Jesus. I want to find out what this is all about, and you keep putting it off and putting it off, and yet you said to God that you really want to do it, and yet you never get around to actually doing it. Some of you said, you know what, I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start trusting God in the area of my finances, and yet you never got around to actually doing it. God has heard your vow. It'd be better for you not to vow at all. You say, how do you know those things are true, Todd? Well, I... I Get a list every week of the people who make decisions for Jesus on our weekend services. It's an extensive list. And then through our computer program, we actually see who follows through. You ready for this? It's two out of ten. Twenty percent of people who make a decision on a weekend service to start doing whatever, 80% of them don't keep their word. They don't keep their vow. You know the person you want to be. You want to be a promise keeper. And yet you won't even keep your word to the Lord. So you have to say what you mean and mean what you say. And when you say you're going to do it, don't delay. You just get it done. You get after it in that moment. And that brings me to point two. Faithfulness is persisting even when we want to quit. So here's what happens. We make a vow, we make a promise, and then we realize, oh, that's hard. And I don't really want to do that, so I'm just going to go ahead and quit, and maybe nobody will notice it. I mean, how many years till you actually get on the diet? You don't know because you're still on it, right? I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Monday. Monday, I'm going to get on, the, on that diet. I, I promise, Monday. Then Monday comes and you miss it. And you're like, well, next Monday. Because you can only start a diet on a Monday, right? You cannot start a diet on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You're saying it has to be a Monday, right? And then you're kind of hoping the next Monday comes rolling around that nobody's going to remember that you said the last, you know. What, what, do you, what, do you, what have you said that you're going to stop doing and you're still doing it? So I'm going to stop drinking, stop getting drunk. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop that bad habit. That, I'm going to stop going back to that, that, that website. That's, I'm going to stop looking at those pictures. I, I'm going to stop being unthankful. I'm going to stop, you know, just being an ungrateful church. I'm stopping that. I'm going to be a grateful person from this day forward, right? I'm going to stop saying unkind words. I'm not going to use any more profanity. And what have you said that you're going to start doing? I'm going to start reading my Bible. Did, did you follow through for longer than a week or two? I, I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start doing the things that I know are going to help me become the person that God, what would it be for you? I, I, what have you said before? I'm, I'm going to stop doing what, and I'm going to start doing what? And then what happened? You had good intentions. You really meant it at the moment, but then you got into it, and you're like, this is really hard. This is really difficult. So what did you decide to do? You decided to quit. We come from a long line of people who weren't quitters. The heroes of our faith, I'm certain, wanted to quit, but they wouldn't. Think about Noah. 
God comes to Noah and says, listen, I want you to build an ark. It's four and a half football fields long. It's going to take Noah 120 years. He's building it miles away from any body of water. And the Bible talks about that he has made fun of day after day after day. What are you doing building a boat? There's no water around here. This thing's huge. And, God's, and Noah says, well, there's going to be a flood. God's going to send rain. And then rain hadn't happened to that point in time. People are like, what in the world is rain? He says, well, it's a whole bunch of water. And it's going to rise up and you're going to drown. You're going to do the dead man's float. He said, well, why are you building such a big boat, Noah? I mean, it's just you and your kids, right? And your wife. He says, well, i got to build it because the animals are going to come two by two. You think anybody was going to believe that? They made fun of him. He was a laughing stock. I bet there were days he looked out the window and said, I'm not going back in that stupid ark. I'm not working on that. I, I plugged about enough nails in that dumb thing. I think I'm going to take about a week or two off from that stupid ark. I'm tired of that ark. But he didn't quit. For 120 years, he was faithful. I think about Moses. Moses, you go back to Egypt, tell the Pharaoh to let God's people go. Moses doesn't really want to go, but he didn't really have a choice. And so he goes and says, hey, let God's people go. And through a series of plagues, God, the Pharaoh finally releases the people. And so he leads them. And he's going to take them to the promised land, right? But how many years was it to get to the promised land? It was 40 years. And what did those people do during those 40 years? They griped and moaned and groaned and complained for the entire time. And they weren't blaming God so much as they were blaming Moses. Two million people for 40 years blaming you for everything that went wrong. At what point in time would you throw in the towel and say, you know, God, you can get somebody else to do this job. I'm good. But they wouldn't quit. Do you think Jesus ever thought about quitting? Jesus said to his disciples, listen, we're going to Jerusalem and I'm going to be handed over, and they're going to kill me. And then he said, let's go. And Peter intervened, Matthew 16. Peter took him aside and, re- and began to rebuke him. He's rebuking Jesus. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, and you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. When they dragged him away from the Garden of Gethsemane and he endured six different trials, just out of curiosity, at what point in time does he think to himself, this isn't worth it? Because don't you think Satan was kind of whispering in his ear, you don't really want to die for these people. They'll never be faithful to you. They'll never keep their word. They will hurt you and they will wound you and they will break your heart again and again and again and again. They're not worth it. And the Bible very specifically says that when Jesus hung on the cross for six hours one Friday, there were 12 legions of angels waiting for a command. What command were they waiting for? For Jesus to say, I'm not doing it. They're not worth it. It was 144,000 angels. How many angels did it take to wipe Sodom and Gomorrah from the face of the earth? It was two. 144,000 angels, all with their hands on their swords, all waiting for one single command, enough, stop. But it won't come. What did they hear instead from the cross? Father, forgive them. For they have no idea what in the world they're doing. Jesus wouldn't quit. Why? Because faithfulness is love hanging on. Let me give you the third point.
point of faithfulness. Faithfulness is continuing on even when nothing makes any sense. Um, Faithfulness is not produced when everything is going your way. (laughs) Faithfulness is produced when you get the bad news. This past week, my wife and daughter went back to Los Angeles to the children's hospital to get her back checked. My youngest daughter, Cammie, continues to have nerve pain running down her legs. And so we wanted to know if we needed to wait more time after the two back surgeries she's already had. If we need to give more time for the nerves to restore themselves. And so they went with high hopes that this was normal to find out that it isn't. So January 29th, surgery number three. Faithfulness is hanging on when you find yourself in the midst of a fire and you don't understand why God even has you in it. But you know that you don't face the fire alone because he's with you. And I remember Cammie calling me and saying, Dad, you're not going to believe this. And I said, Cammie, if God brought you to it, he's going to get you through it. We will hold on to the Lord our God with a defiant faith even when nothing makes any sense. And we've got example after example after example of this in Scripture, don't we? Think about the Apostle Paul, greatest missionary ever walked the face of the earth. He goes from one town to another town to another town proclaiming Jesus has risen again from the dead. And his message of love and grace and forgiveness goes over like a pickle in a punch bowl. (laughs) Nobody's excited to hear what he has to say. He is arrested. He is beaten. He is whipped. He is imprisoned again and again and again. But he won't give up. And he won't quit. He's holding on to the Lord as the Lord holds on to him. The last letter he writes in the New Testament is to his friend Timothy, young man that he's been mentoring. 2 Timothy chapter 4, some of the last things that Paul ever puts on a piece of paper, he writes this I fought the good fight, I finished the race. I kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to those who have longed for his appearing. Did you catch those words? I fought the good fight. It was a battle. I fought through it. I finished the race. Awards don't get distributed at the starting line. You might want to write that down and remind yourself of that. Because in the day of participation ribbons, everybody thinks everybody wins. Nope. Awards get distributed at the finish line. For those who endure. For those who won't quit. For those who won't give up. For those who believe that God has a plan and a purpose and that somehow even through my pain, he's going to bring glory to himself and good in my life. And I'm just not going to let go. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. 
And now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who have longed for his appearing. Oh, friends, these setbacks that we have in this world today, they are light and momentary troubles compared with the surpassing glory of one day seeing Jesus when our faith will become sight. So what promise have you made that you've given up on? What in your life do you know that you need to do, yet you refuse to do it? Some of you want to quit on your marriages. Don't you dare do it. Some of you want to quit on your kids. Don't you dare do it. Some of you want to quit on your dreams. You want to quit on your your finances and your debt. Don't you dare do it. You hold on to the Lord. May it be said of you and may it be said of me. That we were faithful no matter what. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, we want this so bad. But we know to live this way is so hard and so difficult. Lord, I thank you that your power and your strength and your might is greater still. That you can help us rise up and accomplish even greater things than anything we've ever dreamed or imagined. That you will sustain us. That you will strengthen us. That you'll give us perseverance and endurance when we just feel like we don't have it. Lord, what are we holding back on? What have we given up on that you want us to keep pressing on through? Lord, you'll teach us so many great lessons in life if we'll just hold on to you. And we thank you that you're faithful and you're true. That you'll never let us go. You'll always be by our side. That you truly are our rock and our refuge. You are our ever-present help in times of trouble. Help us to be faithful, Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you are watching me. Some of you are here in this room. You've made promises that you're going to get your life right with the Lord. You still haven't done it. You made promises that you'd get baptized. Still haven't done it. You're going to get in that small group. Still haven't done it. Why don't we get that fixed right here and now? Because you know you want it. And you know those things will lead you to be the person that you really want to be. The person that God created you to be. So why don't you call me or text me. 505-922-9200. And if you're in the room, why don't you go to the first steps room after we're done. Talk to one of our pastors. Talk to one of our trained counselors. They would love to help you. This has been weighing on you for a long time. You've been carrying this burden for a long time. You've made this promise and broken it over and over and over again. Today is your day. Today is your day to move forward in faith and to be a promise keeper and not a promise breaker. Now, I've asked the band to come out. You don't want to turn me off if you're streaming me right now because you're going to miss out on something great. You guys don't have a choice. You can't leave. And if you do, we're all just going to stare at you, okay? It's just going to be weird and awkward for you, so don't do it. But we put together a moment where you get to sit back and you need to praise the Lord and thank Him for His faithfulness. Listen to this song.